Hey everyone, Cameron here. Uh, I just wanted to do a little preface for this week's episode because I thought it would be a cool idea if you guys were to send in your favorite like stands or characters that you wanted us to talk about. Uh, so far, we've just been doing things chronologically, but I don't really see a reason for us to do that other than that's just what I started with and what I thought would be a good place to start with for the podcast. But I think it'd be more fun if I like engaged with the people that were actually listening to this and did some of their favorite characters or stands and like create an episode based off of those. So if you want to contact us or like send in a request, basically, uh, we have a Gmail. It's on the about page for the podcast on SoundCloud. It should be on iTunes as well, I believe, but it's bizarre discography at gmail.com. So if you've got like a favorite stand or character that you want us to talk about, send in a request uh, or hate mail. Hate mail's good too. All right. Uh, enjoy this week's episode. See ya. Hey guys, welcome to JoJo's Bizarre Discography. I'm Cameron, and this week my friend Richard is joining me. Hey, what's up, everyone? Everyone, that's Richard. It's Richard. I'm very excited to do this podcast with Richard. Um, <laughs> that makes me feel so special. <laughs> good. You're the special guest star today. Um, so this week we're talking about Wham. They're a British pop group. <laughs> so, I, so I made you listen to "Make It Big," which is uh, Wham's second album. They have an initial release, they have a second album, and they have like a, a weird like uh, final release, which is more of just like a greatest hits collection. Mm-hmm. So, like you've probably heard some Wham songs in the past before, oh, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like, it's hard Every- not to uh, have heard a Wham song. I feel like by. Uh, at least by uh, this time, so... If you've ever interacted with a radio in your life, <laughs> especially around the time of Christmas, oh, <laughs> you've yeah. probably heard a Wham song before. <laughs> but um, I hadn't... So the first song in the album, Make It Big, the one that we listened to, their second release, is Care- is uh, not Careless Whisper, but Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. And the last one is Careless Whisper. Those are the two that I, like, immediately recognized. I was like, I don't even need to listen to these for the podcast. I'm just going to listen to the middle bits. It's kind of, like, all sandwiched by those two songs. So, had you heard any of those middle songs? Uh, actually, yeah. I think I heard Freedom once a long time ago. Okay. Because uh, it kind of reminds me of, uh, like, some, like, Michael Jackson songs, to be honest. But, uh... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's just maybe the sound they had for it. But I wouldn't say, like, the, uh... I wouldn't say, like, lyrically, but maybe more, definitely more, like, uh, instrumentally. Oh, yeah. They've got this, like, um, my favorite uh, synth noise, which is, like, the wah-wah, <laughs> like, <laughs> weird bass, like, I think it's a saw wave. I don't know what it actually is. Don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> but they have that, like, funky 80s pop noise going on, and I really like this album, but not in, like, a very deep fashion, which is, like... It's a pop album by a pop band, and the band was together for a total of four years. <laughs> so, so uh, I don't know if anyone wants to like read into the depth of the band too much, but it's really listening to this album. I was like, you know, if this came on while I was in like a Publix, I would want to buy like three more boxes of cheeses than I normally do. Like, <laughs> it's just like happy music, and it's like upbeat, and it's eighties. Very very fun to listen to, but like. Is there much to, like, actively listen to? I don't know. But uh, tell me, so yeah, did you enjoy listening to it? Did oh, you have fun? Absolutely. I uh, I got more of a feel of their, like, stuff, I feel like. Because really, like you said before, the only things I'd probably ever heard 
before the podcast for those two songs, uh, you know, Carol's Whisper and Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. And like hearing the other songs gave me like I guess like a different impression from what they're actually like I guess, you know, about Yeah. So they're a lot more like there's a lot of like weird melancholy songs in the middle too. There's like uh so okay. It's I it's hard for me to explain uh I'm trying to put into words what you just said, but I totally agree with you. It's if you, if you just listen to Careless Whisper and Wake Me Up Before You Go Go, those are two very like striking fun songs to listen to. And then the rest of the album, like every single song in this album is about five minutes long. That blew my mind because they're all pop songs. <laughs> they all just like most of them have like a minute of instrumentals, and it just it's very like some of it is very calming. It's it's just it's a fun album to listen to. It makes you feel good. Totally can feel that. Like, yeah. Like, I definitely, uh, definitely after, uh, listening to it, I probably will, uh, probably have more, uh, Wham music listening for the next couple of weeks or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I was in the car today, I was like, ooh, I'm gonna listen to the song again. <laughs> um, so what is your favorite song on the album? Uh, probably my favorite song is, uh, sounds a little sad, but, uh, <laughs> what is it? If You Were There. If you were there, I really liked that one. Um, I really <laughs> listening to this album was really hard for me to like admit having a favorite song other than Careless Whisper because <laughs> that song just fucking that song bops. First of all, uh, <laughs> God, but I think I really like the second song in the album. I'm gonna have to pull it up now. Unless you have it, do you have it up? Uh, Everything she wants, I think it is. Everything she wants. That song has the instrument that I talked about earlier, like, mm-hmm. for the entire song. That very, like, funky, like, synth noise is the whole song, and so I absolutely love that one. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's definitely, like, it's like a boy band, for sure. Um, I don't know how popular the idea of boy bands was in, like, the mid-80s and beginning of the 80s, whenever these guys uh, ended up forming into Wham. I feel like maybe they could have been slightly responsible for like introducing the concept of a boy band. There's like some uh, like Wikipedia and other like research discussion that kind of suggests that as well, but it's not like, it's not like it's written in the history books. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Not yet. Wham. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 50 years from now, we will recognize Wham for the heroes that they were. (laughs) But no, they're definitely like that stereotype boy band, pop band kind of deal. Like if you go onto their Spotify page, the like artist portfolio picture or whatever is just both of them like laying seductively like back to back and they've got no shirt on, but they've got leather jackets on. And it's like, oh, (laughs) Um, the, so, once they formed, they, like, met at school, just George Michael and, uh, Andrew Ridgely, two members of this band, the only two members, and they just started, like, performing together. (laughs) They opened for, like, a ska band, I think, at the beginning, and then just eventually got picked up, and as soon as they did, like, a live performance, I'm gonna read this directly from the Wikipedia page. The effect of wham exclamation point on the public, especially teenage girls, was felt from the single moment they finished their debut performance of Young Guns Go For It on Top of the Pops. <laughs> so, like, apparently, uh, George Michael wore espadrilles, I think I said that correctly, which are basically like a uh, high heeled flats, if that makes any sense. 
uh, an open suede jacket and rolled up denim jeans. And then Ridgely was like behind them and they were flanked by backing dancers. That is very sexy. (laughs) (laughs) And then afterwards, the song immediately shot into the top 40. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking insane. Um, And so after that, they started, they reissued their first release, which was Wham Rap, a song that we didn't listen to. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to listen to it <laughs> because of the title. I'm judging it immensely. Uh, and then they released Bad Boys and Club Tropicana. And then they had their debut album. And that album, fantastic, spent two weeks at number one in the UK album charts in 1983. So basically, this band was almost immediately successful. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Um... So have you ever uh, you ever listened to any other boy bands, Richard? Uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe as a as a kid, I remember my uh, cousin, my older cousin, used to really like uh, the Backstreet Boys when they were popular, like in like the late nine, I guess like late nineties, early two thousand. Mm-hmm. But it's the most experience probably that I remember with boy bands altogether. Yeah, I guess I didn't. I never really thought about it like that. But I guess Backstreet Boys. I'm, I'm thinking of is that. What am I thinking of? Actually, boys are the rappers, right? Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Who am I thinking of? Who's the Who's the white rapper group <laughs> that's really popular? Oh uh, my god, I'm not sure if you. That's you? like uh, that funky monkey, uh, brass monkey. Who released brass monkey? I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember their names. I'm gonna get bullied online for this. Anyways, I'm gonna move on so I don't get bullied. Uh, <laughs> I have, like, I've never really listened to a boy band, like, at my own will, other than this, from what I know of. Like, from what I can remember. So, like, this is pretty interesting, uh, the concept of a boy boy band. (laughs) I know NSYNC was really popular in the 2000s, right? Oh, that's the other one I remember now. Yeah, NSYNC NSYNC is the one that I, like, recognize, because everyone's always talking about them, because I think we're in the nostalgia phase for NSYNC. Justin Timberlake, am I right? (laughs) <laughs> uh, but I've never like if you were to play an InSync song for me, and I recognized it, I wouldn't be able to tell you that's InSync. <laughs> but I don't think I'm not like the target audience for boy bands, anyways. <laughs> so <laughs> that's probably reasonable, anyways. But yeah, um, I really, I really enjoyed listening to this album. But I'm also really worried that if I listen to it too much, I'm gonna ruin it for myself because the songs are repetitive. In my opinion. Like, uh, I can totally agree with that. Like, I feel like... But I feel like it's a lot of things with a lot of pop music in general. Is that they just uh, use, like, the same sound for the most part. And just kind of uh, get that same kind of, I guess, feeling or, you know, emotion with their songs or whatever. And just repeat that over and over. And kind of, like, produce it as, like, a... Like, like, I don't know, like a factory product, if that's... that's (laughs) I totally... Yeah, I get what you mean. It's like when you eat like a whole can of Pringles at once. <laughs> Listen to a lot of pop music. It's like and pop music is definitely like instant gratification. And I don't think any like less of it as music for that. It's got its purpose. It's got its place. But I definitely think that uh it's a very like simplistic, straightforward, enjoyable, and like mass like marketable sound. I definitely agree with that. So uh I was going to test your uh, your 1980s British pop band knowledge now here, Richard. Oh, no. If you get it wrong, I might bully you. I don't know. Oh, no. 
<laughs> Anyways, who do you think they were competing with in the 80s? Uh, you might be able like, to, like, just get this. Like, what other bands do you think, like, pop bands? Do you think that they were, like, rivals with, basically? You're not even, like, like vocal rivals, but just, like, who are the other pop bands they might be competing with for their target audiences? Jesus, that's a, that's a rough question. I'm not too, uh, I wasn't too caught up with the 80s pop bands, but, like, if we just mean, like, 80s musicians in general? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Uh, just take a guess. I don't know, like, uh, like I said, Michael Jackson would have probably been one before to compete mm-hmm. with. Uh, maybe, maybe Knots might be a little, that might be a little out of the way, but like, uh, the Isley Brothers, but that's, that sounds like, that sounds like a little something maybe a little older. Maybe. That's an interesting suggestion, though. Um, the one thing I thought of when I was listening to this is like, oh, this is a lot like Culture Club. (laughs) 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 Because I knew Karma Chameleon. (laughs) Which I'm sure everyone else knows. That's another one of those songs where, like, if you've touched a radio in your life, they probably played Karma Chameleon for you at some point. That old hometown radio, you know, that plays the 80s, 90s, and today (laughs) for all of the, like, middle-aged people living in Newtown. But yeah, I think that, uh, so according to, like, some of the Wikipedia page and stuff like that, they were like competing against Duran Duran a lot too, Ooh. which I thought was cool. I hadn't, I really haven't listened to anything by Duran Duran other than Personal Jesus. You know, Hungry Like a Wolf. Oh shit, that's a Duran Duran song, isn't it? Yeah. This is exactly what I was talking about earlier. I know these songs, I don't know the bands. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because like I just listened to the one song that each of these bands produced that is like super popular on the radio still. But yeah, that'd be interesting to listen to as well, I was thinking, is that I might go listen to like some Culture Club or some Duran Duran that I haven't listened to, because I liked listening to this album so much. <laughs> so yeah. Um, they, like I said earlier, they were only together for about four years. You want to take a guess as to why? Uh, I'm assuming that they really didn't want to do this as a full uh, career, or maybe at least one of them didn't. You are absolutely correct. <laughs> that is spot on. So as soon as Careless Whisper, uh, no, what was it? the other one? Uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. As soon as they released Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go and it like instantly became a hit, George Michael was like, all right, I need to fucking pipeline myself into a solo career immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and so he released uh, Careless Whisper to kind of like move him into that because if you actually like check most of the uh, track listings and stuff like that when you listen to this album it'll say like careless whisper featuring george michael mm. and so that was just supposed to point you towards like george michael as an individual artist at the time but he definitely wanted to once they had a bunch of success and they released make it big i want to say around that time he started thinking like i cannot i cannot do this anymore <laughs> like he didn't he wanted to market to an adult audience instead of like teenagers <laughs> which totally understandable from a musician's uh viewpoint not my viewpoint i'm hardly a musician but i can understand if he was tired of like creating just pop music he wanted to kind of like move into a more like maybe like an adulty kind of pop music <laughs> rather than just like boy band stuff <laughs> but yeah um so yeah only together for four years they released that uh released make it big fucking banger of an album and then they did some touring they were actually i think don't quote me on this it's it's i'm pretty sure this is correct but i don't want to spread misinformation they were if not the first one of the first one of one of the first couple bands to tour in china and do performances in china yeah that's pretty cool 
That is pretty cool. Uh, they did the performances without compensation. <laughs> and uh, actually, whenever China was trying to decide on who to let in to do these first performances, the uh, manager for Wham kind of like pulled a dirty trick and he sent in whenever uh, he sent in like Wham's pictures and stuff <laughs> for them to consider. He also sent in pictures of Queen and he did not make Queen look good <laughs> to the Chinese representatives. So like he made, he like showed a bunch of uh, pictures of Queen and like typical flamboyant poses and stuff like that. And Wham was just like middle ass young, <laughs> middle, middle ass, middle class young kids. Like that was just it. <laughs> <laughs> And so the Chinese, of course, opted for uh, Wham at the time, <laughs> and they were uh, and they had like a recording crew go with them and stuff. And they shot a bunch of footage and they do documentary. Came back, people didn't like the documentary up top, <laughs> so they made them like re-edit it. They totally hired another person to re-edit it for a different, uh, make it into a different project. And apparently, there's been some like calls by people to release the original. <laughs> Because apparently it was pretty good. And instead of it just being like, Wham's here in China, it was like, here's how, like, the culture of China is so different from, like, typical Western culture. <laughs> as, as, like, as from the viewpoint of, like, Wham touring in China, which I think is pretty cool, but probably not what the uh, music executives wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, once uh, once they, they did that, they got into their later career. Um, they got sold to some shareholders in South Africa. Some people think that that caused them to announce the breakup because they wanted to protest some South African politics. Um, other people say it was just like George Michael was ready. He was ready to go solo. But yeah, only for four years, released a bunch of, like a couple a couple albums, two, and a big, like, final mix slash best of compilation album with, like, I think uh, one or two original songs on it that hadn't been released before. So yeah. If you haven't listened to Wham before, other than what's on the radio, go listen to Make It Big by Wham. Maybe even Fantastic. Although George Michael would tell you not to listen to Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Before I totally stop conversation about Wham, Make It Big, was your least favorite song of the album? Just trash it. Mm, that's, a, that's a hard thing for me, because... like. I always, whenever I listen to music, no matter what, no matter like what it is, I really don't have like a like negative thought about it because I'm just like somebody worked hard to make it. There is there is a reason why they made it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be on the album. Or well, that's not entirely true. But like, I feel like a lot of times, like there's there definitely should be uh, some sort of good reasoning that they have for keeping it on the album. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I really don't have a least favorite, but if I have to just pick a random one, then I would probably just say something like, I don't know, uh, credit card baby. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. So that's a, that's a totally reasonable answer. Um, I, I think that assuming good faith in terms of the producer and the musician, totally reasonable thing to do. Uh, but yeah, if you're going to answer just like which one like struck you the like least, then that's like, that's a, Yeah. Credit card baby, I agree. <laughs> that one's pretty, like, it felt very like I had heard it before in other pop songs, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it's a bad song. It's just, like, probably the weakest one on the album for me as well. But yeah, thanks for listening to that album with me. Oh, no problem. It was a, it was a treat in, its, uh, in itself. So now we're going to talk about the character that Araki... Uh, 
named Wham. (laughs) (laughs) Or Whamu, as they call him in the anime. (laughs) He is a giant muscular man. (laughs) I bet you're all very surprised by that. (laughs) So Richard, tell me a little bit about Whamu. Uh, Wemu is the uh, is the is the adopted son of a man named Cars, <laughs> who is also a very big stone man himself. And so, uh, Wemu, I feel like is the uh, is like I don't know, like the child of of the three pillar men. Yeah, you're. I totally forgot that he was adopted, but he totally was just like raised by them. I forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, like, they both raised him, or whatever, because they were both adults by the end of the flashback in the in the manga or anime. Mm-hmm. But anyways, these, like, ancient peoples called the Pillar Men, they're like vampires, but worse or better. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, like, weird, giant, muscular men, and they, like, can absorb cells into their body they just like like there's like scenes where they just like grab uh nazis and just like shove them into their body and they're like yeah this is happening (laughs) this is cool um they're basically just giant sexy aztec mystical men and uh i guess wham is like he was raised by the other two that still exist they all went in like a deep slumber and they awakened by the time of part two you should you should already know most of this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're listening to this, but maybe you listen to this podcast not because of JoJo, <laughs> so I won't judge you. Uh, but yeah, he's a pretty interesting character. He's kind of like the, I wouldn't say he's the main villain of part two, but probably like the sub-boss, like he's the secondary antagonist. <laughs> Would you agree with that, Richard? Yeah, more or less. I think that... uh He's definitely, although at the same time, I feel like someone would call him like maybe a, uh, I guess a misunderstood hero. I guess you're, yeah. So he isn't like evil, <laughs> like the <laughs> other two kind of are, <laughs> which is interesting because he was raised by them. But yeah. he, all basically, all he cares about is like honorable fighting, right? Yeah, he's very similar to Jonathan in that sense. But yeah, he. Um, like, the protagonist, Joseph Joestar, encounters all three of the Pillarmen, and he basically convinces Wham not to just straight-up kill him in the moment, because he, like, shamed him. I can't remember how he did it. I think he, like, tricked him somehow, right? Like Joseph always does. He played a funny trick. (laughs) (laughs) He let, like, everyone else get away in the moment. He was like, because you were trying to fight me, everyone else ran away in a minecart or something. No, he ran away in a minecart and got him to follow him, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, he was like, I tricked you, you idiot. You fucking fool. <laughs> and Wham was like, alright, I guess I'll just kill you now. And Joseph was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Stop. Don't do that. Instead, you should let me train until I am as powerful as you are, and then face me in one-on-one combat in order to gain back your honor. <laughs> now, Richard, what would you do if you were presented with this situation? <laughs> I I totally accept and uh, you'd accept that shit. Yeah, (laughs) I mean Joseph also had the uh, what was it? He had poison put into him. So this was the scene where they decided to put the poison in him, right? Yeah, yeah. So they were like, "We'll accept on the terms that you absolutely like cannot not do this." (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Joseph got poisoned. We talked about that a little bit last episode. Because we talked about uh, Wamu's defeat at the hands of Caesar a little bit, or his almost defeat, that is. 
But yeah, Joseph gets poisoned in this moment because of this deal he struck with Wenmu. And actually, it's like, a, I think SEDC and Wenmu are the only two that, uh, like, inflict him with a poison. Cars is like, this is stupid. I'm just gonna go after what I wanted to do in the first place. I don't know why you guys are fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Wayne an interesting guy. He fights, um, he fights really well. He's like main characteristic in general is just that he's really good at fighting. <laughs> he's just called a fighting genius a lot in the show. <laughs> Very strong man. At one point, he like clotheslines a column and then uses it as a weapon in the same moment. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking blew my mind when that happened. Uh, he likes to. He likes the wind. He's like a wind guy he's for whatever tornado reason. Arms. Yeah, he's got like tornado arms, so he can like he get like most other pillar men. He can break every bone in his body whenever he wants. Uh, they can like smoosh themselves or like stretch. Like if you can imagine, if you were to like take your torso and move it to the right a few feet, and then just have like the connecting part be like rubbery skin. That's what they can do. <laughs> they can do that with, like, any part of their body that they want. And so when Wenmu, like, breaks his arms at the elbow and then, like, spins them really, really fast and he, like, makes tornadoes come out of his hands. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he has, like, a special secret mode. Do you remember much about that? Uh, to be honest, no, I don't. <laughs> well, I'm about to drop some knowledge on you. Fighting technique, divine sandstorm. <laughs> that's what that's what the fucking like the hand like spin tornado move is called. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing, and then the next one is like, uh, let's see here, atmospheric rift. <laughs> 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 Which that name doesn't make much sense <laughs> thinking about it immediately because basically all it is is he shoots a bunch of compressed air out of his horn he has a horn by the way <laughs> oh i remember his horn he has a horn <laughs> i totally so like you don't know about the horn for so long because he makes it come out whenever he wants it's like a little robot horn thing like <laughs> a section of his head like opens up like little doors and the horn pops out <laughs> He's like, now you may be angry. He's such a he's such a weird character. All the Pillarmen are so weird. And they're probably some of my favorite antagonists in the show. <laughs> Who's your favorite Pillarman, Richard? Uh That's a hard decision. To be honest, it actually might be uh Wamu because <laughs> just because he's like like I said, he's just not a he's not like a mean guy like the other two. Yeah. <laughs> he's not but, a bully. But I think like villain wise, I think Cars is still pretty cool. Mm-hmm. He's like the super, like, you, he's a good villain because you hate him. You hate his guts. Yeah. And we'll have an episode about cars at some point down the line. Maybe the next one. I don't know. <laughs> What's a, he's a cool guy. But yeah. I think Wambi was probably the... I, I, I would say that SADC, which is ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's probably my favorite Pillar Man just because he, like, cries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to spoil too much of a different episode for the audience, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Wamu's like a lot of fighting happens with Wamu in part two. They let him take out most of the like Dragon Ball Z fighting words like next episode. <laughs> Fight Wamu some more. He like he basically lives through two different fights and then there's like a big final fight at the end of the comic with him. He ends up blinding himself, I remember. <laughs> oh yeah. Because he gets too stressed. <laughs> 
He's like, this is stressing me out. I know I would fix this. And he just like jams his hands into his eyes <laughs> and just removes them totally. And the way that he fights from there on out is that he senses the wind with his funny horn. <laughs> so it's a lot like uh, the basilisk in Harry Potter. <laughs> That'd be a funny fucking video edit to make. Because <laughs> like... That, like, the scene falls in line with that scene where Tom Riddle's like, You may have blinded the basilisks, Mr. Potter, but she can still smell you. Because <laughs> like, as soon as, as, soon as uh, Webu uh, blinds himself, Cars is like, Oh, I know what he's doing. Let me narrate for the audience. <laughs> and it's like, apparently, they compare it to, like, when uh, an athlete, like, hits their wall and they just, like, completely, like, like mental flip, like, they stop thinking about it and stop having like psychological barriers which i i hear runners talk about the wall a lot and that's like my only point of reference for that but it basically it's like the point where like if you're running and you just feel like you're gonna die if you go any longer and then you just like break through that point like you just keep going for a little bit longer and then you feel amazing and it's like the best thing ever in your life it's like an <laughs> adrenaline high <laughs> so he basically just like he gets super stressed out blinds himself turns on his funny horn machine and he's like all right I'm now at my most powerful state. <laughs> um, do you remember how he gets defeated? Uh, something in the chariot battle. That's all I remember. Yeah, I think it's like uh, Joseph tricks him, as always. He like He's sucking in wind with funny tubes on his back in order to shoot the wind out of his horn. <laughs> <laughs> like, but by the way, when he shoots the wind out of the horn, it's not like <laughs> when you like blow out a candle. <laughs> it's like I think in the show he like splits open boulders and shit with it. <laughs> it's like a like a, a pressure washer, but with air, I guess. Um, <laughs> he like he has to suck in air to use it. So Joseph like makes a Molotov cocktail basically and makes him suck it into his body. <laughs> And then he just, like, burns from the inside out. And because he's a pillar man, the pillar men are, like, they're, like, more powerful versions of the vampires. So the way that you defeat them is the same. It's, like, you put them in sunlight or you, like, burn them. <laughs> so that's one of the few ways that he was able to defeat them. But Wemu just turns into a head after that point. Like, he sucks in the Molotov cocktail and he's just a head. And that's then, <laughs> do you remember what happens after that? Doesn't he just, like, uh, like break apart and die or something? Like, crumble him to, like... He very elegantly does, like, crumble apart into ash and blow through the wind. But that's not before Joseph and him have a heart-on-heart -heart <laughs> talk. <laughs> Where Joseph's, like... I'm, I'm, like Joseph, like, cuts himself to, like, bleed onto the head of Wamu. <laughs> so that Wamu's not in as much pain. He's like, you fought honorably. <laughs> Allow me to bleed on you so that you're not in pain anymore. And then Wamu... I think Wamu doesn't like it because he thinks it's pity. <laughs> and then, like, Wamu just, like, fades away and dies. And that's the end of Wamu. Rest in peace, huh? Rest in peace, that guy. He's a, honestly not a bad character. Uh, there's worse characters in George's Bizarre Adventure than Wamu, <laughs> for sure. Like, 100%. <laughs> Pretty cool antagonist. I think all the Pillarmen are really cool antagonists, just because they're so fucking, like, flamboyant and goofy. After this part, like, after part three and part two... I don't feel like Araki's as, like, super muscular flamboyant with his characters anymore, and they turn into more of, like, a androgynously sexually, like, built characters. Like, they all look kind of female-male at the same time, which I don't have a problem with. It's really cool. But I really like <laughs> the, like, super muscular flamboyant evil people. <laughs> I think it's really funny. 
Ugh. So yeah, do you have anything else to add? Maybe about the 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 music or uh, when we where I might have like talked over you or anything like that. Uh, not that I can really think of. I just uh, I think they're really cool. Like you said, I think the Miller Men are like really uh, like some of the best villains that Araki came up with. But, For sure. Uh, but like. I don't know. Uh, there's not really much more I have to uh, say on that. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> there's some of the best antagonists that he came up with. They're just so like. There's some scenes of them that are legitimately terrifying, where they just like suck people into their bodies and they're just like pushing them in through like their chest, basically. <laughs> it's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it's like the minor characters are like screaming and shit. Like, wow, I wouldn't want that to happen to me to be sucked into a giant, sexy, muscular man's chest. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, <laughs> But yeah, I don't know, maybe that, that could have awakened someone sexually as well, I just realized. <laughs> Which is also terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I think that's pretty much all I have to say on it. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Richard, thank you for joining me. Anything uh, else to say? Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, you'll probably be back for a later episode. I only have so many friends. Anyways. <laughs> No offense to you. That's so, that sounds really mean in retrospect. No. Trust me, Richard, I like you. You're a good friend. <laughs> I, I felt more pity for when you said that instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed us talking about the stupid JoJo's Bizarre Characters and the cool album. Go listen to it if you haven't uh, heard anything other than like Careless Whisperer. Wake me up before you go, go. You probably have a good time. All right. Thanks. Bye.